We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. You're listening to The Uncontested an Oklahoma City Thunder and NBA podcast featuring Jacob. All you haters come at me. Taylor. You're a step past a hater like I'm Rondo. Upgrade your baby mama to a condo. Nick. I really wouldn't mind taking a flyer on Swaggy P. Kamiar. I just got done taking a nap. And Justin. I'm too fast. What is up, everybody? It is Sunday night, 11.15 p.m. Game four just got completed. Final score of a lot to not a lot. Um, I never know if I should introduce everyone who's on the episode because we have the intro, but then everyone that's in the intro like isn't on the pod, you know? So I have Taylor and Justin here with me. What's going on, guys? Oh, wait. This is a Thunder podcast? I, I was jumping on because I thought we were going to recap the Game of Thrones episode. I, I, I'm i fine <laughs> for that. Um, One's better than the other. Yes. So uh, I'm going to toss it over to one of you guys to go for a little bit because I've got to like log off my computer because if I see one more stupid like fire Billy Donovan take, I'll probably commit an act of domestic terrorism. Um, <laughs> also, I just drove up our listenership because now all of the NSA is going to listen to the podcast. So... Uh, you're welcome. Count, Which is fine. Counts are going to go up by a lot. Uh, Taylor, say something so I can stop talking. Yeah, so uh, Justin, um, I really think we should fire Billy Donovan. God, That's a Taylor, <laughs> fuck off. Really novel idea. That before. I'm just kidding, Jacob. Don't, don't like, please say, stay on the podcast. Don't, uh, don't go walk to another room. I need you like send a search to say something so I know you're still here for us. You're still still here with us. Um, the second half was absolutely terrible, and I think that could even extend to the, what was it the last uh, minutes of the first? Yeah, the last like two minutes. I think they went on a was it a ten zero run, and then I extended into a sixteen zero run um, in the third quarter before Paul George finally hit a shot, and it just from there just spiraled out spiraled out of control. I think there's a lot. Of, 
of negative themes that you can probably take from this game. Russell Westbrook. Um, the Portland Trailblazers did exactly what they were supposed to do, and that was get into Russell Westbrook's head. That was to make Russ play irrational, try to get into this whole Dame one-on-one feud. Five um, of 21 from the field. Yeah. Seven this of those were threes. That means 14 of those were twos. Of those 14 that were twos, what, eight of them were probably mid-range, mid-range. pull-up jumpers off the dribble behind a pick? And about six of those were probably contested. <laughs> yeah, so. It was one of those games where, I don't know, you could kind of see it coming from the get-go. Uh, yep. full, full transparency. I think we all missed the first six minutes watching Game of Thrones. Yes. But from what I from what I saw on Twitter, he was taking a lot of kind of mid-range jumpers, and he was hitting them. And even in the first few minutes that and I watched in the first yeah. quarter, he was he was continuing to take those shots and hit them. And while I had this thought where it's like, okay, it's great to see Russ hitting in the mid-range, but it also scares me because just what we've seen this season, the shot's not been there. And when he hits early, that means he's probably going to keep shooting him. And that's exactly what he did tonight. He kept shooting him, and he did not keep hitting him like he did early. Well, Justin, I think it was you who just told us um, before the podcast, and I didn't even realize this, but he didn't hit a shot or hit a field goal in the entire second half. Yeah. Not good. That's that's absolutely (laughs) not ideal. It's not not only not good, but it's completely unacceptable. And um, when you have Damon CJ completely outplaying Russ and PG. You're not going to win a series. I mean, that, that seems so matter of fact, but it's true. You know, Russ has, has been awful <laughs> and uh, outside of that first game. And then I know um, he played fairly well this past game on Friday night. But even then, um, when <laughs> I, I, he has to do so much more when Paul George is off. And I even tweeted this out from our accounts tonight. I think Paul George is injured, and it's going to be super frustrating whenever uh, this series ends. Uh, let's say the Thunder go ahead and, and drop this next one or end up losing in the, within the next couple games, and we immediately get notifications saying that Paul George is going under some sort of uh, procedure or surgery yep. to treat his, his shoulders. I mean, uh, when you have an injured Paul George, it just there's no way you're going to win this series. And it's unfortunate. But it's also super unfortunate. Just I, I don't know if it's unlucky or what it is. But I mean, uh, last season was his elbow. Um, yep. It just seems like there's always some. And it's not Paul George, obviously, but there's always something for the Thunder team. Um, I, I'd encourage you guys to go read the kind of the thread and and series of tweets that Matt Moore had on his account at, throughout yep. like the last quarter of this game because I think he all of his tweets were very spot on. It's not all on Russ. Um, it's not necessarily all on Billy. Not necessarily on on um, on Presty. But this team really, <laughs> it, they really ha- have had some bad luck. It seems like I, I I don't know. It's just yeah. It's it's a mix of of bad of luck things. and just bad tendencies too. Like this team's incredibly I, talented, and anyone who tells you otherwise is lying or just stupid. I'm not sure which. I, but it's a lot of they, ignorance, I think. <laughs> But like, so think back to, I mean, we all, we all saw their peak. I think early, early this year, January, February, we saw what this team was capable of. And it, I think for most of us, and maybe I'm, maybe I'm just projecting here, but it felt like this is the best team the Thunder have had since Kevin Durant had been in Oklahoma City. And not only that, like it's probably better than some of the teams they had when Kevin Durant was in Oklahoma City. It had that kind of feel to it. Like they were just steamrolling teams and it started to feel like uh you know, uh, something that could be on the level of that kind of run that the Thunder had 
with KD here where a first round series was going to be a guaranteed sweep or at the most five games. And that's the kind of visions we started to get. Now, everything changed when Paul George got hurt in that Denver game, like everything. Uh, Obviously, Paul George went from being firmly in the MVP race to being super inconsistent. We've always talked about him being pretty streaky as a player, but I think since his injury, it just kind of amplified the streakiness. And with that, I feel like more than anything, it just kind of threw off this team's rhythm. And then in addition to that, around that same time period is when we entered into the Alex Abrinas situation. So Abrinas had been playing really well at the beginning of the year. And then all of a sudden he's not playing in a few games. Then he's not playing for a few weeks and a month. And then the next thing we know, he's not a part of the team. So I don't think we can we can just pretend that that didn't happen. We can't just pretend the Paul George injury didn't happen. Uh, I think there's lots of things that have, have happened to this team that have taken them from a, a really promising, talented team that I think had a shot to to win some series in the Western Conference playoffs to kind of what they are now, which is just a bit of a mess. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think you're spot on. I mean, I'm, I'm literally going through uh, Matt Morris timeline here and just seeing all these retweets and tweets. Um, I mean, it's just, <laughs> it's, I don't so know. This is, that's the kind of stuff that's going through my head when I see the fire, Sam Presti fire, Billy Donovan stuff is like, okay, I, d- I don't want to make excuses and I don't want to sound like I'm just, you know, relishing regular season success. Like I understand playoff success is all that matters. I get that. But there's so many other factors that go into a single seven game playoff series that right. to, to just, I don't know, just to, to write off what this organization has and say, we should blow it all up, fire Billy D fire Presty and start over. It, I mean, it's just so short-sighted. Look at the, look at the trailblazers. I mean, they got swept last year. By the Pelicans, they didn't blow it up. They they made they made minor adjustments. They made roster upgrades, and they're on their way to beating the Thunder in five games and have a really good shot of winning the second round as well. And like, they got swept. They got utterly dominated by the Pelicans well, in the first round. Before this series, Portland had lost ten straight playoff games. Yeah, swept, and swept, it's just... and then lost the final two. But yeah, like. And then before tonight, what I this is their first road game, first road win road in, game, yeah. game in like yeah. three years. Uh, yeah. I wanted to, to bring up what you just touched on, Justin. Um, Portland looked like a damn dumpster fire in the playoffs last year. They looked right. awful. You know, how many questions were there of um, can the Dame CJ backcourt coexist? Do they need to trade one of them? Yada, yada, right. yada, yada, yada. And. Did Terry that, Stotts did, was getting a lot of heat. Yeah. Did that front office panic? Did they trade away franchise players? Did they fire the coach? Did they blow it up? No. They trusted their culture. They trusted their leadership. Uh, they, they made some roster moves, but not massive roster moves. I mean, they picked up Rodney Hood, who hasn't been good in the playoffs. They picked up yep. Ennis Cantor as a buyout guy, um, which ended up being good because, you know, the, the Nurkic injury. But, you know, they picked up Ennis Cantor as a buyout guy. You know, they they got rid of one decent backup point guard to go get Seth Curry. They they, they picked up Scott Labissier. You know, it, it, they didn't make massive moves. They trusted what they had. 
and and look where they're at now, you know. And so th- yeah. that's my thing to everybody saying, Presti's got to go, uh, Donovan's got to go, trade Russ, trade Adams, trade PG, blow it up, tank, go get Zion. Like, shut the hell up, man. Like, if, if that's the way we're gonna operate, then like, it it's a business, you know. Yeah. And, and, and if that's the way if, it's if, gonna if operate. Doesn't go well for a time. Post-game. You don't just say screw everything and blow it up. If that's the case. Uh, all you short-sighted like Twitter finger people out there wouldn't have jobs right now because you probably have a bad day at work, you know. So, like, I yes, the there's stuff to address, but at the same time, it's like, like you said, Justin. There's so many other factors that go into something, uh, and, and gut check reactions don't do anything. Yeah. You know, I the, think the the organizations that do like that. Yeah, sorry. Uh, you want to make gut check reactions? Look what's happened to the Lakers. Yes, that's exactly what I was going to say. There, there are organizations that operate like that in the NBA, and none of them are successful. None of them. Like the teams that are constantly recycling coaches because of you know shortcomings in the season or the playoffs, they're not the teams that are competing for championships. The Warriors have had Kerr for a long time. Uh, the Celtics have had Brad Stevens for a while now. Um, I mean, the Raptors, bad example. <laughs> but, I mean, <laughs> like, for the, look at San Antonio. I mean, they San were a team Antonio, who we thought might not even make the playoffs, and here yeah. they are with a chance to, um, if they can end up being Denver here. I mean, they have placed their, themselves in, in a position to win that series. Um, they could potentially make it to the Western Conference Finals. So, uh, yeah, you're abs- I think you're absolutely right. There's a, a lot to, to look at when it comes to, uh, and a lot to be taken away from consistency. And in not just making decisions or brash decisions off of um, a playoff series, for example, yeah. you know, as I frustrating as it may be. But I will I say, think I think there's. Uh, gonna be, well, sorry, go ahead. I think we're about to say the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Uh, I think there needs to be some some obvious uh, roster overhaul in the yes. off season. We're and I, I same think same that, thing. That's awesome. That uh, you know, to say that we need roster overhaul and we need to fire Presty because he doesn't realize that like Presty knows if you know the problems the thunder have, I guarantee you Presty knows them as well. Yeah. And it's a reason Random why Dude on Twitter with 150 followers. Um, sorry, but I don't think you know more than the guy that's Jacob's coming at thunder Twitter tonight. I don't think you know more than the guy that literally does this for his job and gets paid like a million dollars a year and has been wildly successful and seen in all circles in the NBA as a very successful general manager, uh, there were national media calling for uh, for the Lakers to do what to send uh, yeah. Sam Presti a blank check and okay. say, "Hey, whatever you want, we'll okay. have you." <laughs> you exactly. know, I think the Lakers are know, actively trying to get Sam Presti. You know, um, and Presti probably hasn't returned a call. Yeah. <laughs> oh no, Presti's going to the Lakers, and Billy D's going to UCLA. Just, just bank it. <laughs> um. It it makes me think of, you know, the Thunder, I think it was pretty widely known. They went after Wes, Ma- Wes Matthews uh, in February, and they struck out. Like, I think he would have been a fantastic addition to this team. I think he would have changed the dynamic of this offense. And I think it's obvious, you know, the fact that they went after him so hard tells you that they know where the deficiencies lies. I think they've just had some some bad some bad strikeouts, the Alex right. Sabrina situation, like I mentioned, Patrick Patterson, when we signed him, we thought he'd be a, a 
a perfect fit, you know, but he just, he just doesn't, I think Matt Moore put it this way. He just doesn't fit. And I think that's a, you know, it's not, it's not that we are ignoring the lack of shooting. It's that we, you know, they've tried to fill this, this void with a couple different guys and they haven't panned out. They're going to continue to try to fill the void. They're not just going to, going to suddenly be like, well, we tried to get some shooters, so let's just try something else now. Like, I think that will be the main focus this offseason. See, Justin, you, you kind of went where I was planning on going as well, and that I think it goes even further back than trade deadline, like, you know, like, or, or a buyout market. Like you mentioned, uh, Wes Matthews, um, you know, they apparently had a little bit of interest in Ellington. Yeah. And obviously, we end up with Morris. It goes even further back than that. It goes to this past offseason when. They were hoping to have, obviously, Alex Abrinas for a full season. They were hoping yep. that uh, Andre Robertson, they would get the best-case scenario with him, and he would be back by the holidays. Um, and that just adds so much more depth. Meanwhile, you have a developing Terrence Ferguson coming off the bench rather than starting in a playoff series against C.J. McCollum. Um, you know, there's just there's so yep. many bad breaks that this Thunder team has. And I think a, a really good way to kind of wrap this up, I think, and we've been, we've been mentioning Matt, Matt Moore a lot on this podcast tonight, but mainly because he's the single media national media person who's probably in our corner right now if we're being completely honest yep uh, but he said you know and, and and i believe him because i is somebody we respect he's had some really good takes in the past he was here in okc for an extended period of time this season during that hot stretch where pg looked like the the you know up there uh with some of the top mvp candidates as well as the defense player of the year and his team was clicking on all c- cylinders and he said i can tell when teams don't have it Utah's had better metrics than they were a team the last two seasons, um, basically saying they kind of outperformed their expectations uh, and then kind of seem to balance out in the playoffs. Meanwhile, OKC has a gear, a high gear that's legit. They just can't find the the thing ever when they need it. They hit the exact adversity that derails them. And I think what we're trying, what, what we are trying to do right now is find that adver- that adversity and try to pinpoint it on something. And for whatever reason, it just seems like at the worst times possible, like Matt said, the Thunder team falls into that adversity. Rather, and it's a combination of things. Like we've said, it's um, possibly Presty, not 100% um, maximizing Russ's potential as surrounding him with the right players. Um, Billy Donovan, maybe some with rotations. Yeah, but a lot of that probably falls on Russell Westbrook, his decision making, um, his, I guess you could call it a weakness of his, where he lets. His competitive competitiveness and his his why not mentality get the better of him. Yep. Um, the injuries, obviously, the potential of injuries when you have a big like Stephen Adams who relies so much on his physical ability and has athletic ability down low. When you're doing that for 82 games and then you go into the playoffs, you're going to be banged up, battling against some of the best bigs in the league. Um, that's something else. And then it gets to a point where you're having to rely on role players, right? And Jeremy Grant and Terrace Ferguson, as great as they have been, as exciting it's been to see them develop and how big they have been for this team, those aren't two guys you can necessarily rely on um, when your two stars, Russ and PG, are struggling, right? So I think all those things combined are kind of what Matt's referring to when he says this Thunder has hit the exact, in capital capital letters, adversity that derails his team. And I think that a lot of that so take it from the flip side perspective from from the Trailblazers. I think a lot of that is probably very similar things that you'd hear from the from the Trailblazers the last few years. You know, Dame and CJ have been widely regarded as being two great players, but like we mentioned a second ago, that you know, the narrative was oh they have no postseason success. 
they they crumble in the playoffs. I think last year, like Dame's shooting numbers was like thirty percent from the floor, which sounds familiar to you know a guy named Russell Westbrook shooting about that this series. And it's amazing how quickly that narrative can change. And I think that's the maybe the the silver lining here is it it really only takes kind of one string of playoff success to flip the script. And I think like credit to Dame and CJ for really kind of taking hold of that narrative and just destroying it so far this series. They've been phenomenal. And I think that's just good perspective to have of like, yeah, this series sucks. And last year against the Jazz kind of sucked, but they sucked in, in different ways. And I think it's important to not necessarily lump them together because next year's postseason will be a totally different uh, situation. It'll be a totally different scenario and hopefully, you know, totally different results. But I will add this as well. And uh, this is something that happened to us last season. And it's happening again this season. I think that's a reason you're seeing a lot of irritability by Thunder fans, a lot of overreactions, a lot of people coming for heads because they want something specific to blame this on. Yep. Um, and because he's passed this this team last season, you know, uh, or this past season, excuse me, they traded for Carmelo Anthony. We have Carmelo, Paul Jordan, Russell Westbrook on the same basketball team with Steven Adams and some role players. Um, that's a team you would expect on paper before last season happened, obviously, um, that could go potentially toe-to-toe with the Warriors. And then they lose in the first round to the Utah Jazz with some rookie superstar or emerging superstar named Donovan Mitchell. And then this season, okay, we got rid of our weak link, which was apparently Mello. Um, They've been clicking on all cylinders for an extended period of time. And then they they go on a a really bad post-All-Star break. By the grace of God, um, they end up on the same bracket, same side of the bracket as Portland, Spurs, and Denver. Um, they're obviously the better of those three teams, or three of those, or two of those teams, potentially even Denver. Um, this is as good as you could have draw- drew it up, and uh, we really have a shot here, right? After that, Paul George game winner against Houston, and then we end up going without Paul George and beating Milwaukee, and now here we are, down three to one against Portland without Nurkic. <laughs> and it's just like these expectations were so high, the Thunder yep. are failing to make those ex- expectations, and so. I, I will justify these uh, overreacting fans just a tad by saying that, like, for that's, sure, that's frustrating as a fan. It's yeah, it's it's missed expectations, and I think that's people have a right to be mad. I think, and they're searching for a scapegoat. I think everybody's trying to figure out, you know, whose fault it is. Someone needs to be held right. accountable. Last year, the scapegoat was easy. It was Carmelo Anthony, exactly. whether rightly or wrongly. You know, that's who got the blame for that series, and so that I think caused expectations for this season to maybe go a little too high. Like the, the, the blame and us included on this podcast, uh, right. yeah, you know, yeah. saying he was the cause of more things. I think now the, the reality is there's, there's more to it than just him. Obviously, uh, you know, Melo's not in the league currently, so he's not without blame. Um, but I think it's now, now that we can't just blame Melo, people are searching and kind of the next, uh, punching bag, is Billy Donovan. Yeah. And just, yeah, right. People always want to pin the blame on something and it has there has has to be something tangible there for them to to be mad at. When in reality, like it's it's not black and white like that, you it's know. Messy. It's messy. Yep. It's, it's yeah, it's really messy. And you know how the Thunder played good this series? Um, you know, honestly, it should probably be 2-2 because the Thunder really should have won game 1 if they don't shoot like 10% from the three-point line, right? Um, yep. Yeah. But after the the All Star break, you know, just OKC looked awful, and and 
you know, what's the cause of that? Can we pinpoint things? No, not really. You know, a bunch of people want to want to point to the coach. They want to point to Russell Westbrook. They want to point to um, things that they think will make them feel better. You know, but but kind of the the theme I keep coming back to here is like it, it it's not a singular thing, and making drastic changes doesn't make things better. It just makes things worse. Like, and, and, and people want to blame something they don't like, and it's never the thing they do like, you know? So the right. people that love so Russell Westbrook are going to blame everything else except Russell Westbrook. The totally. people that love Paul George are going to blame Billy. They're going to blame Russ. They're going to blame Adams. They're going to blame Nerlens. They're going to blame, you know, whatever, except for Paul George, because they, they don't want it to be their, their favorite coach or their favorite, um, their favorite players fault. And I think that's yep. where a lot of the Billy Donovan hate comes from is people are fans exactly. of players. They're not fans of coaches. And yep. so it's easy to blame the coach because you don't care about the coach because the coach doesn't go out there and make buckets and get you excited. You don't you know? buy a Jersey for Billy right. Donovan. Exactly. Exactly. You know, my, my argument is like, you want Billy Donovan fired right now. Like, why weren't you harping on that whenever the team was in second place in the West and, and running off 11 straight right before the all-star break? That's like, yeah, I was going to mention that, you know? So like, it's, it, it's very much a, what have you done for me lately? And, and who do I like? And it's not going to be their fault. It's going to be somebody else's fault. Yeah. So on that note, uh, Royce Young, while we've been podcasting here about eight minutes ago, he tweeted this out and via ESPN stats info, this was the worst shooting half of Westbrook's playoff career, the second half right here. Uh, previous worst was 0-4 against the Clippers. Uh, in the second half, Westbrook had one point on 0-7 shooting. And then also, via ESPN stats and info, this is the 29th time in Westbrook's playoff career that he missed at least 15 shots, which is eight more games than any other player since Westbrook's first playoff appearance, which was that 2009-2010 season. I think that's a pretty good scapegoat if you want to want to yeah. scapegoat for this season. If we're being completely honest, you know there sure. there comes a certain point where like I, I mentioned this a while back, but the whole why not mentality and the whole um, I'm better than you are. I'm gonna take you head to head. Um, oh, you're gonna, you're gonna give me this open sh- mid range shot while well, I'm gonna shoot it. You know, <laughs> like there comes a certain point where maybe that's detrimental to a basketball team, and uh, maybe the whole next question. I mean, that, that's a whole other issue, but. Just that whole mentality uh, sometimes starts to rub me the wrong way, and I think this past two seasons it's it's starting to become more and more concerning to me, uh, particularly. As, and I mentioned this to you guys like in our Slack. We talked about this a little bit, but it does not seem to me that I think Russell Westbrook's uh, decision make, making and basketball IQ may be better than ever, but his athleticism does not seem to be. I mean, he's still off the charts athletic. He's better yep. than essentially anybody else on the floor at any given time uh, when it comes to athleticism. But we haven't seen nearly as many explosive dunks <laughs> as we have in the past couple seasons. And I don't think that's a coincidence when you look at his his knee procedure history, his knee scopes. So uh, you take all of that into consideration, and um, this series concerns me a little bit for Russ moving forward. And then you can dig even deeper, as we mentioned. You know, you can start looking, well, okay, then now's the time that Preston needs to start surrounding Russ with different uh, different archetypes of players rather than the pressing yeah. mold of, of length athleticism, versatility. Um, you, you can go even deeper than that, but I, I think that's at least a, a good place to start, and I think that kind of goes with what Jacob was saying. Like, a, you want a scapegoat, but you don't want to blame the Russell Westbrooks, who is my 
disclaimer, my favorite player in the entire world um, and probably always will be. <laughs> and here I am, you know, uh, kind of using him as a scapegoat yeah. um, or Paul George and his shoulders. And I tweet this out. Maybe his durability last season. He had a, a two liter bottle of pop's worth of pus and and blood drawn out of his elbow. Hey, you know, uh, so like let, let me make this podcast a little more lighthearted. Uh, what 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 is your dollar amount to drink that two liter that came out of his elbow? Gross. What's your dollar amount? You gotta give me something. Ten no grand? Man. You doing it for ten grand? Ugh. Nope. I mean, it's gotta be like twenty five grand. Millions. No. Make it a milli. Yeah. You guys need a million dollars to drink that. Like no long term effects. Yeah, you would... just gotta get it down. <laughs> I I would, you're not gonna that, get like sick or AIDS or anything. Ugh. I would sip that, and I just I would. Well, what's your dollar amount, dude? I teach for a living. <laughs> I think a hundred k does it for me. Oh, you you put a hundred k in a briefcase in front of me, and then you set that two liter next to it. <laughs> Bottoms up, bitch. That's disgusting. Bottoms up. Oh man. Well, do you guys want to dive into this game individually for a little bit? Since we've talked a lot about trying to cope with uh, for the Thunder fans or. Maybe lack thereof. <laughs> uh, not really. <laughs> I mean, I just. I think we kind of touched so, on it, you know. I, like, I do want to say one oh. thing about Russ, and that's I think that it. So it's two pronged. One is that I think his when he when he takes ill advised shots, I think most of the time it's coming from a. It's coming from a well-intentioned place. I think like he if gets nobody painted, else can do it, then I'm going to do it. Exactly. He gets painted yeah. as like being selfish, and it's not selfish. I think it's just like he sees, you know, it's usually it usually happens when if there's a couple empty possessions in a row. I feel like then, uh, if the Thunder are coming up empty, you know, he gets uh, say it's a good three pointer for Ferg, and Ferg misses. He gets a good uh, inside shot for Steven. Steven doesn't convert. Then it starts feeling like, all right, you know, nobody's getting it done. So he's going to come down and put up a three because he has the confidence, whatever irrational confidence in his three pointer to put it up. And it's, you know, it is one of his biggest flaws, but I think it is, it's that mentality. It's what got him the MVP. The MVP season was just a year where all of that irrational confidence paid off all the time. And also like those big shots, they went in. And right. he hasn't had another season like that since. And it also peaked with his athleticism as well. You know, totally. like he, he was at the top of his athleticism, uh, which is like ridiculous because he's still so incredibly athletic totally. to this day. And he will be next season. I'm not saying he's like rapidly declining, but I think yep. you're exactly right. It just all kind of coincided, uh, kind of came together there, basically. <laughs> I think that so the other the other point I was going to make on Russ is like he brings the hate on himself. And I think he's he's fine with that, but I think it rubs off on Thunder fans. Like you get on you get on Twitter, and nobody nobody hates Russell Westbrook like NBA Twitter hates Russell Westbrook. Like it's it and it it's I get it. I know where it comes from. It's his personality. It's you know lately it's the way he deals with the media. It's whatever people just don't like him, and so anytime he does anything wrong, people are going to swarm to it. It's kind of it's the flip side of Steph Curry. Anytime Steph Curry does anything right, people just swoon over him because they love Steph Curry. Or, you know, for some people, it's James Harden. You know, James Harden, what did he shoot that three for 20 last night? I haven't seen half the hate 
of shooting three for 20 as Russ is going to get for being five of 21. Now, yep. granted, they got to win. So that's a big part of it. But I think it's it's a lot of his personality. And so it's anytime you're on Twitter following a basketball game, you see this Russell Westbrook hatred. And I think it almost like seeps into I know it does for me as a fan. It seeps into your subconscious to where you start believing that maybe I hate Russell Westbrook and like maybe he is trash. Maybe he will never win anything in Oklahoma City. And I think it's just it's all hyperbole. Anybody who's ever played with him talks about how he's a fantastic teammate. And anyone who says otherwise, I think, doesn't know him. Yeah, I would agree. Also on this game, uh, Thunder lost every quarter. 26-24, yep. 24-22, 29-22, 32-30. Lost every quarter. Um, it it kind of felt very game two-ish in the sense yeah. that the Thunder built a second quarter lead, um, but then really gave it away, and it kind of spiraled out of control there. Um like Taylor mentioned early in the podcast, Portland goes on an 11-0 run with two and a half minutes left to go in the half to take a four to go from a seven-point deficit to a four-point lead. You know, it felt like if the Thunder could go in with a lead, they were in a good spot. Instead, they go in yep. down four. Portland comes back out, uh, pretty hot. Third yep. quarter, Dame, and yep. and just kind of went off. You know, the Thunder. I think he had like another seventeen in the third. Is yep. that right? The, I might make that up. First but. half, they held Portland to fifty points, which is is really good. You know, and Dame only had like seven in the first half. I yep. think with like you know Portland got a lot of free throws there at the end, but at one point with like two minutes to go, they had like a hundred and five points, and and when they have a hundred and five points, that's you should win that game. But when the Thunder yep. can only get 98 for the entire game, I thought I think this is the biggest thing of the game for OKC. I think a lot of it comes from Russ again. But Thunder shot 15 of 40 from the three-point line. That's pretty good. 33 yeah. of 88 for the game. So, I was gonna bring that up. And so they also yeah. got 18. Meanwhile, they let Portland of 40, get 90 shots. <laughs> yeah, 18 of 48 from two-point line or from the two-point area. 18 of 48. You're not gonna win a basketball game shooting like that. I mean, it's just that simple. And then yep. you go 17 and 22 from the free throw line. So 77% isn't great. Um, it's also not the worst. We've seen this this Thunder team shoot this season. But when you compare that to to the Trailblazers going 22 to 23, and then we have equal fouls both at 22, um, that's going to kill you as well. On yep. top of that, you get out-rebounded. You get out-rebounded by five. Uh, and that's just inexcusable when Nurkic is injured and not even playing. Yep. I agree. Yep. Okay, do you guys want to totally. talk about anything else, or, or do we want to be done with this? <laughs> we have a lot of Twitter questions if we want to cover them. But I'm I mean, sure. they're all Are about we... Billy Donovan. I will say, let's talk about, real quick, because the only one that doesn't simply just talk about, like, who would you hire if you fire Billy Donovan? Yeah. I do think the question, looking ahead to the summer, uh, this comes from Silva, he talks about what's more likely this offseason, firing Billy or trading Steven Adams. I think when we talk about roster upgrades, you know, we know the Thunder are strapped for cash. There's not wiggle room on this roster. I think some guys are, some guys are going to be gone, which gives us a little space. But if you really want to truly upgrade this roster, your most expendable piece is Steven Adams. What do you guys think about that? I think, I mean, he has the biggest contract that you can trade realistically, but I don't know if you, you, you trade Steven Adams to get a better two guard. Okay. 
Yep. Um, now you've created a massive hole at center. And if anyone comes at me trying to say Nerlens Noel is a better center than Steven Adams, I swear to God, I'll cut your neck and watch you bleed out and die. Um, <laughs> you know, so it's like you're but robbing, there's also a good you're robbing, chance no you're robbing Peter. Yeah, you're robbing yeah. Peter to pay Paul. You know, um, you, but, you, you you can. So I think the more expendable pieces are guys like Dennis Schroeder. Guys right. like if, if you can get off of a Andre Robertson contract using that $10 million player exception. Um, because, yeah, you could you could trade away Steven Adams, but Steven Adams is a top 10 center in the league. And, and when you trade him, chances are you're filling that void with a very low-tier center. And, and, again, you're just you're, – you're, Digging a hole to get dirt to fill another hole, you know? But I think that in the modern NBA, that a good two-guard, especially a good shooting two-guard, is more important than a good center. And I think that the Portland series kind of shows that a little bit. You know, they lost Nurkic, and they're still waxing the floor with us because they're hitting three-pointers better than we are. And I then think that Golden State's like an extreme example, but you that's what I was going to right now. Yep. And it's so I love Steven and I think that's what makes this conversation tough is like, I love him as a person, as a thunder player. It'll be just like when they traded Cantor even more so if it happens. But I think that for the thunders roster construction, I think it suits them better to have a dead eye two guard than it does to have a top 10 center. Okay, so real quick, uh, Royce has tweeted this out. Russell Westbrook has changed his approach to Barry Trammell, answering, quote-unquote, uh, that's a good question, not sure. And the next one, responding something similar. <laughs> <laughs> that's kind that's of funny, actually. That's pretty yeah. funny. I was going to say, that makes you chuckle. Um, I, th- I think it, that that question also boils down to like, so let's say you do trade Steven Adams and you get a guy like Bradley Beal and then you fill in, which I don't think is possible. Washington would be sure stupid to do that. But let's just... I mean, you never know with the new regime. Yeah, let's just yeah. Hypo- hypothetically, let's say the Thunder can trade like Steven Adams and Hamadou Diallo and their pick for Bradley Beal, okay? Oh my God, sign um, me up. <laughs> but then you're filling yeah. the the center spot with let's say Nerlens Noel, okay? Yep. Like it is the net gain you get going from a still progressing twenty year old Terrence Ferguson to Bradley Beal. The net gain you get from that is that outweighing the the loss that you're getting at the big man position, both from an offensive standpoint, a defensive standpoint, uh, a team player standpoint. Because I mean. Steven is a guy that doesn't care about shots, doesn't care about minutes, totally. anything like that, right? So, like, yep. uh, there, there's, I feel like there's also a balance there. and I, I There's definitely a balance. That's a good and point. There's, there's, you know, I wonder, like, I don't think Terrence Ferguson is going to be a top 10 shooting guard in the league. But if you bring in Brad Beal, now you're having to take shots away from Russell Westbrook. You're having to take shots away from Paul George. You're having to take shots away from Jeremy Grant because Brad Beal is a – about to be a super max player who gets 20 plus shots a game. And if he doesn't get that, there's going to be a lot more of an ego balance there. You know, we saw 
at the beginning of last season, that difficult balance between Russ and PG and Mello, right? And yep. somebody has to end up sacrificing. And so it, it, it creates a lot of issues, whereas Terrence Ferguson is a guy cool getting eight shots a game and just spotting up in the corner in this season shooting 37%. You know, but so, I would argue that you could still do that because I don't know. There's been so many times this season that you get to crunch time and the Thunder elect to go small with Steven on the bench. And so take that scenario to a lineup that has Bradley Beal on it. You can still put Ferg out there alongside Beal. So now you have Russ, uh, Ferg, Beal, PG, and Grant. Like that's a pretty good closing lineup against most teams definitely no i mean i i I agree um but but kind of like with tonight where the thunder ran that lineup of of schroeder russ ferg pg grant that lineup looked awesome you know and i loved it but that lineup isn't sustainable you know like totally so so you 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 still have to have a big man yeah for sure and 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 i i don't know that's a deep question that we'll get into the offseason, which happens. I was about sure to we'll say, because, like, this summer. it was an extreme <laughs> example. And that's what I was going to say. Like, the, I think the whole Steven Adams thing kind of transitions into a postseason podcast because um, I, I, what concerns me about Steven a little bit is his durability because he is banging down low so much. Um, but I'm with you guys. I, I think if we have to answer Silva's question here, which is more likely firing Billy or trading Steven, um, and I mentioned this to you guys, like, I wouldn't be shocked if Billy does get fired just because I feel like there will be some sort of scapegoat that happens here. Um, after it, it, assuming that the Thunder go and, and lose the series to, to Portland, which we're talking like it's over, for being honest. Like, it's not officially over yet. Uh, it just 100% feels like it. I would say, I don't know. That's <laughs> so hard. I mean,. It, I would probably go ahead and say Fari Billy is probably the most likely of those two scenarios. Same. I don't think Stephen Adams think gets both, thrown into a, I think a both deal the, unless it's a home run. Both like the percentages you said, Bradley Hill. are low, right? But what is more yep. likely, firing Billy is at like uh, 10% and trading Stephen is like a 7%. Right. And then here's the other thing too. I mean, this team post-All-Star break, uh, this team in general, the past two seasons, you you never really know. I mean, it, it would not surprise me, and I'm not being optimistic by any means. I don't expect this. Honestly, I'm going to be completely honest. I, I'm not even sure if I want this at this point. But I would not be surprised if the Thunder go out on Tuesday night and win that game in Portland and then come home with momentum and end up losing the series uh, at home in OKC. And again, I'm not even sure if I yeah, want that. But, but that's just, <laughs> just how this team yeah. seems to function. Yeah, it's it's definitely possible. They're a very um, they're very dramatic as a team. I thought something something that popped in my head um, when we were when we were doing our preview our playoff preview podcast with the Trailcasters guys. He brought up um, the streakiness of the rivalry between uh, Portland and Oklahoma City, and how they don't they haven't really ever traded games. That's a really and, good point. And it's, it's usually they, they come in big chunks. So you had Oklahoma city sweeping them in the regular season before that Oklahoma city had lost the previous six. And so that goes, I mean, that goes back three years and you basically have two big streaks making up those three years. So I, I don't know. It's, 
it's interesting. Um, while the Thunder were able to get one, it kind of feels like we're just we're in one of those Portland swings. Yeah, yeah, and then you have, uh, yeah, you go four and zero against them this regular season and end up uh, potentially losing four to one or maybe four to two this postseason. I, I think that's a really good point made by the uh, Trailcaster guys talking about kind of <laughs> like it's not, and, and a lot of these games have been close. Um, but you're yeah. right. It's not like they're just trading games um, where one, you, you never know who's going to, I don't know. It's, it's definitely a strange rivalry for sure. Yep. That's all I got. <laughs> About sums it up. Okay. A, lot, a lot of venting. You guys ready to get out of here? Yeah. All right. Let's call it a night. Hey, thank you everybody for, for checking us out. Um, try not to be too sad about this game. We will be back at you uh, begrudgingly, regardless of what happens, on Tuesday night. Thunder versus Portland, game five. Oh, our music bed stopped. I don't know why that happened. <laughs> kind of like the Thunder in this series. Oh. Yeah, there we go. I got it. <laughs> Make sure you follow us on Twitter at the underscore uncontested. Subscribe to us wherever you listen to your podcasts. I promise they're not all this sad. Yeah. And we will talk <laughs> to you guys again Tuesday night. We'll see what the what the tone of that podcast is. Actually, what will probably happen is if Tuesday night is a win for the Thunder and they're bringing it back for game six, we'll do a post-game podcast. If And, and I don't know if it'll be on Tuesday night because that game doesn't get over to like midnight our time. Yeah. But... If it is a loss, we will most definitely not podcast that night, and we will wait to do a a big end of the season, postseason podcast um, after exit interviews and whatnot. So, just so you guys have a little update on on what we're looking at uh, over the next few days or so. Thank you, everybody. Take it easy. Have a great week, and thunder up. Sugar Ray Leonard. Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in a new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series now streaming on Showtime.